I was ha- I had was having such a great relationship with my dad, my bio dad that I and I told him too. I said, you know, I found her, and I said I don't even know if I'm going to call her because after meeting him, it was enough. I didn't feel like I needed her anymore. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Vani. She called me from Lincoln, Nebraska, where she shared her story of life and adoption. As a teenager, Vani ventured an hour from her home to the adoption agency that placed her to try to understand more about herself. In her non-identifying information, she learned a terrible story that seemed to be questionable according to the social worker. In the years that followed, she continued to drive a long way to search the yearbook archives for her birth mother. When she found her birth father, he wasn't interested in knowing her until his fond memories of her birth mother kicked in. He identified the woman, and within months, Vani had met them both. This is Vani's journey. Vani and her younger brother were both adopted, but they're not biological to one another. So she grew up fairly comfortable with the notion of adoption. Interestingly, she found out that she was adopted by accident when she was four years old, but she didn't quite know what it meant. My little neighbor friend next door who was six we had moved into the neighborhood about a year before my parents built the house and um we were playing one day and he said you're adopted and I was like "Mm, yeah whatever (laughs) you know I didn't know what it meant and I was just like okay and then I didn't think anything of it and a couple hours later he came back over crying and he said I'm sorry I said you were adopted So he must have gone home and told his mom, you know, what he said. And she said, you can't say that or whatever she said. And he came back and apologized. And I just remember thinking, that's okay. (laughs) Still not knowing what it meant. Bonnie has a vague memory of her mother reading a children's book about how special adoptees are. But it wasn't until Bonnie was a teenager that her angst and self-awareness shook things up. She started thinking about her biological family and whom she might have looked like among them. As she developed her own opinions and began to express herself, she also started butting heads with her adopted father. Bonnie was coming into her own as her thoughts expanded about who she was as a person. What did you think about? What did you imagine as you thought about your this other family, as you thought about yourself as an adoptee? What kinds of things did you think of? Well, I knew certain things because my parents got non-identifying information about my birth mother And my mom couldn't remember everything by the time I was asking, but she told me a few things and that there was no father listed or no information about the father and that my mother was 16 and that was all she knew. And so I imagined that this 16 year old girl was like, whew, thank God I got rid of this. I don't have to deal with this baby and probably went on to have this crazy life and was probably a waitress living in a trailer. That's what I imagined Mm -hmm. because she was so young and, you know, I never thought, Oh, she's a rich, you know, princess somewhere. I, I just thought not 
very positive things about her because mm-hmm. um, I knew that she knew I had been adopted, obviously, and where I had come from. And that if she ever wanted to contact me, she would know where I was. And she never did. I see. So I had bad feelings about her. When she turned 17, Bonnie went to the adoption agency for herself, traveling an hour away from her home to obtain the sum of her non-identifying information. It gave physical descriptions of both of her biological parents. Her mother is five foot two and blonde, while her father is tall with dark hair, according to the records. Vani identified with her father's traits the most. Then I spun this whole thing in my head, like, I'm just like him. I'm just like my father, whoever he is, and I'll never know who he is. Mm-hmm. So just not looking like anybody in the family is really, it's, re- it's really hard. And people that look like their family members don't appreciate that, I don't think. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, tell me a little bit about your opinion of your father. It sounds like you kind of identified with him, but I didn't necessarily hear the negative. Um, right. My birth father? Yes. What did you think right, of him? You're actually? right. I didn't. Well, he was, um, t- in my mind, he was just a tall, dark mystery man. And I really never spent any time thinking about him except wondering what he looked like. And that's interesting that you point that out because I never thought about that. I never thought about what's he doing or where is he until actually about maybe like 10 years ago, it just hit me that he was probably in Vietnam and that he, he could be dead and I'll never know. And that's really the only thoughts I ever had about him. It was mostly about her. When she described the differences between her adopted parents and herself, Vani spoke vocationally. Her mother was a teacher, and her father had been in the military and managed a glass factory. In her youth, her parents made sure she got dance, art, and music lessons, and Vani was always good at them all. Currently, she works as an artist. And while her parents appreciated her talents and interests, they didn't share her passions. But I remember when I was like nine, we went to a South Pacific, the musical, mm-hmm. and it just took my breath away. could not believe it. This was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And at intermission, we left because oh, no. my dad was like done. <laughs> and I was I was devastated. I could not believe we were leaving. Vani majored in theater in college and went on to work in theaters and art galleries. She was the opposite of her brother, who was an Eagle Scout, an athlete, and was the all-around good guy opposing her position as the troublemaker. Vani said her desire to search had been festering before she took that hour-long trip to the agency at 17 years old. Obviously, the agency could only share a little bit about her birth mother, but they did reveal something interesting. And then they also told me that she had a common name and that there was another girl in her class with the same first and last name as she had. So then I started years of going through yearbooks in that city trying to find two girls with the same name that had blonde hair mm-hmm. next to each other, and, you know, just whatever research I could do. This was before the internet. And, and how did you get I the mean, not, not every day, yeah. you know, every once in a while. I had to go to Omaha where the, she was from and go to the, um, can't even remember the name of it, but it's like a sort of a, records. an archives kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. And I looked through, I looked through microfish because I also knew that she got married when she was 17 
And obviously it wasn't to my father. And so then I went looking through archives of 1967, 68 marriages, Mm -hmm. looking for, because the other thing I knew about her was that what they said was that she had an unusual middle name. So I was looking for a common name, you know, with a strange middle name and a common last name Mm -hmm. getting married. And I mean, this could have gone on forever. The archives where Vonnie searched were an hour from her home, so you can imagine the commitment it took to embark on such a search through old yearbooks and microfiche. Vonnie also asked the agency to do a search in 1991, when she had her first son. She knew medical information was a good reason to continue the journey. They were required to find the woman and get her permission to release the medical information before providing any information to Vonnie. Well, what they did, I found out later, was they sent a letter to the address that she lived at when she was 16. Well, of course, she didn't still live there. You know, she didn't they didn't get a response. And that was what I got for my hundred bucks. Really? And the next time I tried, it had gone up to 200. And I think actually I might have paid them two times. And of course, they could never come up with anything. The agency is in the same town where she lived. But, you know, they just absolutely couldn't find her. And I got so disgusted, probably in about 2000, 2005, probably. I was just like, I'm not giving you guys any more money. You're not helping. As is sometimes the case in an adoption agency, the person tasked with the search and reunion services is asked to do so in addition to their other duties. It's not a full-time, dedicated position. Most often... The person is faced with a large workload, but not much time with which to investigate any one case. It's a shame in Vani's case because the person they were looking for was probably uniquely identifiable by her middle name. Exasperated by the lack of responsiveness from the adoption agency, she shared her experience with her childhood best friend and fellow adoptee. The woman worked at a biotech company on the West Coast and had heard about the new DNA sequencing being offered by 23andMe. So she suggested Vonnie submit a DNA sample. Of course, back then, the database of potential matches was so slim, it took months for Vonnie to even get a third cousin match, let alone find a birth parent. She contacted that person, who wanted to be helpful, but her cousin couldn't identify anyone in the family who might have had a child and then gotten married. So 23andMe didn't prove to be helpful. No, but the interesting thing that it told me, which I loved, was that it told me I was 48% Irish, which I also, that always bothered me not knowing what I was because I have dark hair, I tan really easily, um, I'm tall, and I could, I thought, am I Italian, am I American Indian, am I, never thought I was Irish because you don't think of dark hair. Right. And um, so that was really <laughs> excited. Right, right. And that, oh, that was a great day. I'm oh, Irish. Man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 There's something really satisfying about actually definitively knowing what your culture is. Totally. You can guess for days, right? You can, you can make any uh, guess yeah. you want. You can come up with any combination of people and, and places you want. But when someone actually says, these are the percentages of what you are, and these are the places in the world you're from, it's incredibly gratifying. Wonderful. She hadn't given up hope. Vani found the DNA Detective Facebook group where she learned tips and tricks for searching. 
In the community conversation, someone mentioned GEDmatch as another resource for more DNA matching after you upload your 23andMe test results. She uploaded her DNA file and was matched with another cousin named Martin, who Vani says changed her life. Martin was way into the genealogy thing, so he really jump-started the detective work on her behalf. And he found a guy who, he sent me a picture and he's like, this is one of your relatives, but, um, and it could be your father. And I was like, what? My fa- Where did my father come into this? So all of this match and the one on 23andMe too was from my father's side. And oh. I didn't know. I always assumed it was my mother, but she was the one I was looking for. Right, right. So we found a cousin of mine and my father's. Didn't know that at the time, but Martin said, here's this family, here's what happened in their family, they're cousins of mine, this guy could be your father. So, I'm a huge dork, and I tracked the guy down by finding him on Facebook, and I called him, oh my god. Really? (laughs) Oh, it was horrible, I'm so stupid. I called him, and instead of being cool, I said, okay, are you my father or is it your brother? That's what I said when he answered the phone. Are you kidding me? Just a complete weirdo. (laughs) No. (laughs) And he, and he (laughs) said, it's not me. What? And I said, oh, sorry. (laughs) I told him the story and he said, oh no, you know, he, he had gone to boys town when his parents both died very sad story and uh he said i didn't get out much you know i went to boys town and it wasn't me but if i can help you you know let me know if you have any questions you can call me anytime so he was really nice too but i I cannot believe you just blurted it out what a jerk i know (laughs) oh my gosh and the first thing i told myself when i was was calling was okay if his wife answers the phone i'm hanging up but she answered the phone and i didn't hang up i asked for him Mm. i did not think it through wow (laughs) yes i didn't think the only plan you made was if she answers the phone (laughs) i'm hanging up everything else completely unscripted Right. Wow. (laughs) And then didn't even follow my own rule. Martin continued his search, moving his focus to Ancestry.com, where he was locating more cousins. Vani submitted a sample to Ancestry DNA, which opened many more paternal links, but not a single maternal link. One of the new matches was an uncle, and of course Martin knew that family too. Martin talked Vani through the branches of the family, pointing out that one of the brothers was 35 years old back in 1966 when Vani was born, but another was only 20. She set out to find phone numbers for the members of that family. She found the oldest brother who lived in California and told him she was looking for his brother Tom, the one who would have been 20 years old when she was conceived. Vani told the man that she thought Tom might be her birth father. And he said, oh... Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would love to hear from you. And gave me his phone number. Um, so he didn't seem surprised by this. No, and here's why. So when we were talking, he act, or when we were done talking, he didn't hang up the phone, and I could hear he thought he had hung up, mm-hmm. and he hadn't, and I could hear him talking to his wife, and I'm sitting there just hanging on every word. Oh my God, I'm hearing this private conversation, and he said to his wife. 
you'll never guess who that was. That was Tom's daughter from high school. And she's like, oh, is that right? And he, and he said, yeah, and she's got three kids. And I don't know, t- told her some stuff. And then he figured out about the phone and he hung up. So Tom had a daughter in high school. Okay, that, that was me. Wow. So he wasn't really 20 then. So eventually I called Tom and I said, <laughs> hi, I think I'm your daughter. And he and his response was, and we joke about this all the time now, but he said, look, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but that was a long time ago, and I really don't want to get involved in that. And I said, okay, fine. I just want to know who my mother is. Can you tell me? And he said, yeah, she was my girlfriend. I, I, um, we were together for five years. I was crazy about her. And I said, oh, that's good because... In my adoption paperwork, it says that my mother was raped. I forgot to tell you that earlier. Wow. She had put in her in her paperwork that the guy was tall and dark. She was raped, and that's why she didn't know anything about him. So she didn't so he, list his name at all? No, no. Okay. I should have told you that way at the beginning. And And one of the caseworkers that I talked to said that it said in my file – Although it said it was rape, she was raped, the person that was doing her intake had the feeling that that wasn't the truth, and she put that in my file, too. She thought my mother was lying to, you know, so she wouldn't get in trouble. So I talked to Tom, and he said, well, yeah, this is her name, told me my mother's name, and... I said, so all I know about her is that she has blonde hair and green eyes. And he said, no, she has brown hair and brown eyes. So my first thought was, oh, my God, the agency got it wrong. And the more we talked, the more we figured out that he has another daughter. He got kicked out of high school when he was 18 because he got his girlfriend pregnant. And that's my older sister. Are you kidding me? No. And we had to talk for a long time to figure this out because I said, you know, and I was born in 66. And he said, well, I was 20 in 1966. Uh, And I'm like, well, you were out of high school then. And he said, yes. So you couldn't be my daughter. And I said, "Okay." And I wasn't going to push it and I wasn't going to bother him. And I told him, I don't want anything from you. We don't have to be friends. We never have to talk again. I just wanted the information. And he said, okay, well, good luck. Thanks. Bye. Hmm. And two days later, he called me back and he said, I just remembered there was another girl. And she was blonde and she had green eyes. And this was her name, a different name. And he said, I didn't even think about it. They were only together for, they were, they dated for like five months. And then he went to Vietnam, which I was true and didn't know she was pregnant and apparently didn't know I existed. Wow. So I'm the other daughter. (laughs) That's incredible. So, So Tom was kicked out of his high school for getting his longtime girlfriend pregnant when he was 18. Then, right before his deployment to Vietnam, the theory was that he got Vani's mother pregnant during a short fling. But Tom wasn't sure those were the facts. 
so he cautiously doubted his paternity. He and Vani had a few more conversations to try to sort things out, and they kind of liked talking to each other. One day she said, Well, you know, if you're not my father, at least you're, you can be my uncle. You can be my beloved uncle. And he said, Well, I'm not your father. And I said, Okay, even though you just told me who my mother was and described her, you just go with that then, you know. <laughs> you believe and, what you want to believe. That's right. So Tom took a DNA test. Vonnie feels like even though he was outwardly denying paternity, he probably wanted to be her father because they just got along so well. Right before Thanksgiving 2017, Tom's DNA results were returned. And the results came in and I called him just crying and said I got the, because it popped up on my ancestry, this the code name, whatever his name yeah. Yeah, is, is your father. Oh. And I just called him crying and and he just said, what do you think about that? And I'm like, it's awesome. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty great. So then he came to visit me with his wife um, on Mother's Day for whatever reason. They came to, he lives in California and they flew out to Nebraska to meet me and spend a few days. And then he surprised me again on my birthday in August. He showed up at my house with presents and balloons and champagne and cake. And Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I know. I'm just the light of his life. <laughs> it's just awesome. It was really thoughtful of him to call back for Tom to stop and think, wait, I know who this is. And to, yeah, because he could have ran the other direction, right? Sure. And for him to call back and actually say, I think I have some clues, and to continue down that path with you, even though yeah. he didn't know you existed, that's really thoughtful. You know, you're right. I never thought about that. I mean, he he totally could have just let it go. Yeah. And I never would have had contact with him. I just, and I told, And he actually told me later, he said the main reason why he kept thinking about it and came back to me was that I said to him, I don't need anything. I don't want anything from you. I'm not, I'm successful. I'm happy. I have a good life. I just want information. And he said, when I said that, it put him at ease, you know. You didn't have some ulterior motive, some ultimate right. goal that you were trying to get to. That does put people at ease. Right. Like, let me help you. You reached out to me. Yeah. Let me. If I know something, I'll let you know, right? That's incredible. He showed yeah, up with was, champagne and balloons, huh? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> The balloon said, it's a girl and oh my princess and stuff like that. They're like baby balloons. Tom revealed Vonnie's birth mother's name. Vonnie found her on Facebook, examined her friends list to determine which people were family, and located one of her daughters. She tracked down the older daughter's phone number, but she was scared to make the call. Vonnie took a few days, then she dialed the number. I called her and she was in Colorado and I just said, I don't know how much you know about your, your mom's family or your mom before you were born. And she said, well, I know she had a, a daughter before I was born, before my brother was born. And I said, well, that was me. And then we just started crying and she was like, we've been looking for you. We've been looking for you for, I've been looking for you for 20 years. And so wow. she said, we've all been looking for you. And so she told um, her children that's not, that doesn't happen yeah. all the time. Yeah. Wow. And I said, well, I don't know if I want to get involved or talk to her because 
like I said before, I had these bad feelings about her. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she wanted to get rid of me and she did. And she was glad. Mm-hmm. And my sister said, oh, no, it's heartbreaking to her. And it's been terrible for her. Well, and I was like, oh, your feeling okay. was exactly wrong. But right. it's, it's interesting <laughs> to me to hear you say that, though, because you you told your sister, your younger sister on your maternal side, that you didn't, you weren't sure if you wanted to get involved, but you've tracked them right. down. Yeah. So you kind of did. But you know what? I had so much. I was ha- I had was having such a great relationship with my dad, my bio dad. That I and I told him too. I said, you know, I found her, and I said, I don't even know if I'm going to call her because. After meeting him, it was enough. I didn't feel like I needed her anymore. I knew who she was. Um, I didn't have to have a relationship with her, and I had him, and that was okay, and I could have left it at that. But, of course, I got too curious, and I had to. Yeah, the curiosity. I had to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I find this is an interesting theme that I think happens with some adoptees is that in the cases where their initial reunion with a family rem- member is so positive, there's a fear of falling off the cliff that it can't go any better than this. Like right. It, it has to go down from here. Exactly. Because I, I had that feeling too, and I think that people begin to steel themselves against what the possibilities are for you know this anticipation of, of going down the other side. You've reached the peak. Right. You know, you've, you've, you've summited the mountain and now there's nowhere to go but down. Exactly. That's really and And when he first said to me, you know, I don't want to get involved, that was a long time ago. I really, I don't remember feeling devastated. I was just like, well, you know, I never thought about you that much anyway. That's fine. I just want to know who my mother is. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't feel horrible. It yeah. wasn't a happy feeling. It wasn't good, but... Yeah, I wasn't going to cry. She's feeling like speaking with her birth mother first might not be her best move. Vani suggested maybe she should speak with the woman's husband first. Her sister gave Vani his cell phone, but Vani was freaked out, so it took a few more days before she called him. I asked why Vani wanted to speak with her husband first. Because I was afraid of her. I was afraid of... She was too big. She was a legend in my mind you know um i had built up even though i had a negative image of her she was the pinnacle of she was a superstar she was like your biggest idol if you're gonna meet whoever that is and i was scared and Mm -hmm. i wanted to kind of know what she was like before which i think i also asked my sister about you know what her personality was like and i i just wanted to ease into it and i wanted to know what he thought she would do if i appeared Mm -hmm. you wanted some prep some background some understanding of what you were getting ready to get into right yeah and he said oh you have to call her you have to talk to her you have to talk to her right now i'm gonna give her the phone and i said no 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 (laughs) And he said, no, please, you just have to talk to her. And then I just remember thinking, gulp, okay. And he gave her the phone. And I heard her say, who is it, to him? And he said, it's for you here. 
and she said hello and I said hi and she said hi and I said it's your daughter and she <laughs> and she said what and I said it's your daughter and I started to cry and she said oh my little doll baby that's what she calls me you're my tiny little doll baby oh my god you know whatever all this stuff that you do on your first call so she still calls me that doll baby because you know she was a kid when she had me and she just thought I was a little dolly. Yeah. And, and the last thing that she saw or knew of you was as an infant. That's the last right. imprinted memory that she would have of you. It's impossible for uh-huh. her to imagine you growing up. Exactly. Oh my and God. she said, "You, I held you and you grabbed my pinky. And she said, I didn't wash that finger for days after you were born <laughs> because that's where, where you had grabbed onto me and. It was very sad, the whole story of her, you know, having to give me up. And she thought she was going to be able to keep me. And she still thought up until the end that they were going to change their mind and let her bring me home. And it was it was a bad thing in her life. Vani's mother tells the story that when she was 16, she was head over heels for Tom. He was tall with dark, piercing eyes. After he left for Vietnam... Vani's mother got a physical examination at her school, where she learned she was pregnant. She sent letters to Tom in Vietnam, but the war was chaos, misery, and terror, and so the men drank a lot to manage it all. Vani's birth mother was afraid he would get in trouble for being so much older than she was, so she lied about how she had gotten pregnant. His memories are hazy from those days, so Tom doesn't recall the letters. But he easily conceded that whatever her version of the story is, must be the truth. The reason why she never named him and said that she was raped was because he was 20 and she was 16. Mm-hmm. And she was afraid he would get in trouble, yeah. which I, she told me later is why she lied about it. Wow. So that's pretty smart for a 16-year-old, too, I think. Yeah, to, yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Well, I want to say he was... Com- and is still absolutely mortified that she was that young. And he said, I would have never even looked at her if I would have known that's how young she was. Wow. And he said she never, she absolutely did not look like a 16-year-old kid. So anyway, just for the record. Yeah, no, that's important. He, he's he horrified like a, by a that. very honorable, <laughs> sort of really nice guy. Yeah, he is very nice. So then she made up the story to her mother. And she had a... Uh, was raised just by her mother. Um, Her parents were divorced, which was really strange in the 60s. So she went to the Salvation Army home for unwed mothers. And she said that was the swanky place where the rich kids went. And, you know, she said, if you were poor, you stayed home being pregnant. But she said it was like it was like living in a dorm. You know, all the girls were pregnant. And she told me about the really super cute maternity clothes her mother would buy for her and it was all very positive and the doctor she had was um an african-american young doctor and she said he was the greatest doctor in the world he stayed with her the whole time and mm. was so kind and was so wonderful then she got to hold me and then the nuns came and took me away and she was brokenhearted and you know went home and just was messed up for a while. Mm -hmm. And 
I think, and she didn't really, I don't know if she said this or I'm just thinking it, but she needed a replacement and went and got pregnant again Mm -hmm. and then married that guy. And then that is the father of my brother and my second sister, my first sister, Mm -hmm. um, Heather. And she named me Heather, Heather May. And, um, when my sister was born, she named her Heather. So that was another thing that Heather told me when I was on the phone with her. She said, you're Heather one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Vonnie found her birth father in November, 2017. She had her first call with her birth mother in December. During the course of her reunion, Vonnie got to see pictures of her birth father to whom she bears some resemblance. She traveled to her birth mother's home to meet her in person. What an, uh, the shock of seeing my own face in front of me mm-hmm. with blonde hair. Oh my God. I mean, you know how that feels. Yeah. It's just, that's yeah. me in another form. I could not believe that. I just had to stare at her. I couldn't believe it. Cause it was your face, but blonde and you're, yeah. you're dark haired. Right. So it's like looking at yourself with a wig on. It was my, it was so amazing. So where did you go to meet her and how did it happen? I went to her house and my husband went with me and just went to her front door and just hugged and went in the house. And she said, now you have to sit next to me. She said, you're too big for me to hold on my lap, but you have to sit next to me. And then she made me hold on to her pinky (laughs) like when I was born. She oh said, this God. is the way That's... we were sitting, so here's my pinky. <laughs> Take my pinky. That is hysterical. She really <laughs> she went back to the very first memory, yeah. like the last moment she had with you. That's incredible. Exactly. Yeah. She said, this is this is what we were doing the last time I saw you. <laughs> wow. So she picked up right yeah. where you left off. Yep. Man. And so we see each other about once a month or so. But, you know, the interesting thing is she has never asked me about my family or my past or anything. She just wants to go forward. My dad asked me all about, you know, my childhood and what I was like growing up. And my mother has asked me nothing. Hmm. That's yeah. really interesting. Why do you think that it's, is? It's so weird. I have no idea. Well, I do. I think it's because... It's all a negative, sad time for her, and she does not want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, because... She missed all those years, and she doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Remember Vani had another sister on her father's side? I asked if she ever connected with her paternal half-sister. Vani told me Tom actually met her years ago, and from that experience, he wants nothing to do with her. And I want to find her, and he's like, don't you dare. He said, you're my only daughter. But you know how that is for a curious adoptee. Even when we're told not to search, we still want to know the facts. When I asked Vani about locating the woman, she said she just wants to see her face. She won't try to contact her. Vani's experience meeting her birth parents has been enough, and she doesn't feel like she needs to find more people. Switching gears, I asked how her adopted parents were handling the reunion experience. Well, surprisingly, my dad is the one who was like, oh, that's great. You know, and as I've gotten older, our relationship is much better, obviously. Mm, That's Um, good. You know, we just want you to be happy. We're glad you found what you needed. But my mom, who is the nicest person you will ever meet in your life, and it never displays jealousy or animosity, 
is really sad about it. She wasn't, she was okay when I found my father, but she has trouble with my mother. And they, I mean, they've never met or talked, but I don't bring it up. It's hurtful to her. She's sad about it. She doesn't say things to me like, this hurts my feelings, but she gets emotional mm-hmm. and I can tell it hurts her. And we just don't, I don't bring it up. Mm-hmm. You can tell by and when reaction. I go, right. And like when the first year after I found her, um, it was Christmas and we were at their house and my mom started crying when we left. And she said, I just hope she knows, you know, what your life was like and that you had a good life and everything that we did for you. And I said, of course. And, you know, at that time I thought, okay, I can't talk about this with my mom anymore. Yeah. So I, I stopped. So so you may not talk directly about the reunion with her, but how do you reassure her about your relationship with her? I've told my mom, you know, you're my mom. You'll you you're my only mom. You'll always be my mom. And you're the best mom. And I said, Janet, who's my bio mom is more like a new friend. She's not ever going to be my mother. And I don't want you to think that. And I've also said just um, occasionally I'll say things like, you know, I'm so glad if I would have stayed with Janet, I wouldn't have had half of the opportunities I've had. I maybe wouldn't have gone to college. Um, I maybe, you know, I certainly wouldn't have had all of the things I they provided me when I was a kid because she just wouldn't have been able to do it. And I'm so lucky that I got this family. I'm so glad, you know, I tell them things like that Mm -hmm. and just to reassure them and, and they know that. And I think not bringing it up very often helps. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes me sad because I'm so excited about it. I want to share it with my parents. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it was really, they, my mom had two miscarriages that were both tubal pregnancies and, and almost died the second time. Oh. And, um, so it was super traumatic and sad for them not to be able to have kids. And this is all bringing that up for them too. Right. Memory, you know, so I understand. Vani says another amazing component of her journey has been the warm, loving reception she's received by both of her birth parents' spouses. Often, spouses don't want their significant other to get involved with children from prior relationships, but that's not the case for Vani. So we're all happy now, and I, it's the best possible scenario that ever could have been. That's really great. I'm so happy we're for you. very lucky. I'm, I, Thank I, you. I would be interested to know, how's Heather 2 doing with your return? <laughs> Well, she was, she's very, we're Facebook friends and we text once in a while and, and she's very loving to me, but I kind of had a little insight actually last week. She and my mother are butting heads and have for a long time. And my mother doesn't understand Heather's anger toward her. And Heather texted me and said, that she wanted me to call so we could talk about some things. And my, my mother said, she wants to tell you a bunch of terrible stuff about me and how terrible her life was. And uh, so there's drama between the two of them. And I think she's jealous. I mean, I would be, you know, she doesn't get along with her mother that great, but here I come. 
and you know i'm the center of the universe and everybody's happy right so yeah that's a hard uh, position to be in i'm not positive yeah i don't know exactly how how she feels yeah and it's it going back to what you said about you and your biological mother what's her name again janet janet you and janet being friends that really is in many cases what it amounts to an adoptee comes back right. they've had an entire life away from this person they're an adult they know who they are most times and all you can really be is friends like she said i can't put right. you on my lap um right. so you do get to be like really awesome best friends and it it's got to be hard for those who have grown up with that same person and yeah. you know been yelled at and been punished or grounded and uh, I mean, I'm sure there were some awesome things too. Been on the vacations and everything else, but like right. when you've lived a full life with another person, and then you see this other person come in, and they get to be this rock star who didn't have to deal with oh, any of I the know. stuff. It's got to yeah. be hard for them. Yeah. Before we got off the phone, Vani remembered something cute about her parents' relationship and about her birth mother's actions after her birth that have made her feel much better about things in general. When I talked to my dad and he remembered my mom he said she was the cutest thing and he just remembers that she was absolutely beautiful wow. and so i just for forgot to say that that they both were just like you know they both thought each other was just amazing and he always wondered why she was why somebody that, who was so gorgeous would want to be with him and he's handsome but mm -hmm. you know how did that make you feel? Um, Cause you've now heard from both of them that they were basically oh, in love so with each much other. better. Yeah. Yes. Can you imagine thinking that, you know, well, she was raped and, you know, growing up with that and I'm a product of, uh, violence, except maybe this one caseworker doesn't believe the story. We don't know. And then hearing, oh no, we had a great time. We were crazy about each other. That's awesome. So it's funny yeah, too. That was nice. It's stuck in your mind. You read this this rape piece in your own oh, information. Yeah, huge. And it just completely tanked your thinking on who she was right. and how she turned out. Wow. Yeah. Because of course, you know, why would you want to keep that terrible baby? Yeah. And she did tell me also that she tried um lots of different ways to find me. She went back to the Salvation Army and they said um i don't even know if she knew that i was adopted from lutheran family social services i don't think i think after the birth that was it and she said she went back more than once to say i just want to know you know where is she and they said she's fine don't worry about it just leave it alone and she was told so she did try and that made me feel better too because i felt i and i told her i just thought that you were happy to be washing your hands of me. And she said, never, never, never. Wow. So that yeah. changed my life too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Well, Vani, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It was really cool. You're to hear welcome. Your story. Thank you. I'm glad that it turned out as positively as it did. And I hope things work out with your sister and all of your siblings adopted and otherwise. So Thank you. You're welcome. It was good talking about it, and I'm glad you had a happy story, too. Thank you so much. Take care, Vani. All okay. the best. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. Vani told me that her own adopted brother doesn't want to hear anything about her reunion. He doesn't want to find his family because he's fearful of rejection. 
That's his choice. We all have to respect one another's decision about our own journeys. Vani and I chatted a bit about the impact of finding biological parents after I told her my own reunion story. We agreed it can be intrusive to have another set of parents in your life, whether your reunification is a positive or negative experience. No matter how grounded you are in your personality or how volatile you feel, there's no question that reunion is hugely disruptive. It's a big deal, so prepare yourself for a life-changing event. Thankfully, Vani's has been happy with her birth parents. I hope her adopted mother will come around to understanding that she hasn't been replaced. Vani has simply re-established an important connection that's always been there. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Vani's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash waireally or follow me on Twitter at waireally. And please, if you like the show, I hope you'll subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, take a moment to rate the show. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too.